but it's got to be about the market and not you. And if you're not doing the things they want, if you're not doing the open house, if you're not providing the statistics, if you don't have balloons on the sign, if you're not doing the things that people perceive, then they're going to want to blame the agent. When market's cool, they will blame the agent. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Muchasegui for a quick commercial break, but I think you guys are gonna think this is super cool. I recently got to interview Pavan Agarwal. He is the founder and CEO of SunWest Mortgage Company, and they have this really cool thing I wanna share with you called Morgan. After years of development, SunWest Mortgage Company, a national leader in mortgage originations and servicing, has launched the newest iteration of proprietary AI platform, Morgan. SunWest's novel application of open ledger technology is groundbreaking and will redefine how real estate sales are transacted. I got to ask him all about this in our interview and the technology is so neat. You don't have to be doing loans with SunWest Mortgage for it to be of value to you. But listen to this, AI technology converts a pre-approved property specific loan to a property agnostic tradable token, like an NFT. I'm still learning about NFTs and he explained it to me in the meeting how this is going to work and how once they approve something, other, you only have to get approved once. Other lenders can then bid to do the loan for you after that quick approval. This approach not only opens buyers and sellers to wider opportunities, but empowers all income bracket borrowers with the ability to present offers with certainty without open-ended financing contingencies. Thus, the borrower is now armed with the strength of an all-cash offer that sellers prefer. 99% of thousands of loan conditions SunWest received daily were received within two hours, and over 30% of those were reviewed within only 30 minutes. So whether you need an updated pre-approval at 10 p.m. on a Sunday or instant feedback on guidelines, Morgan is free and available 24 hours a day to cater to your mortgage needs. You wanna try this thing out? Go to usemorgan.com. I asked him about this during the interview. I started using it and started playing around with it. You just go to usemorgan.com and you start having a conversation. Whether you're asking about getting your buyer pre-approved, whether you have a question about a, a buyer that just bought a car and if they're still going to be approved now or how that might change these guys are doing some really really cool things in the business they said in the next six months they're going to start to get approvals down to within just minutes like full lender approvals within just minutes using this ai tool not talking to a person but like texting things back and forth and working it out so go check out this new technology use morgan.com You know, we had this idea a couple months ago about trying to do some, you know, some interactive coaching. We had, uh, you guys have heard me on the podcast or maybe on Instagram talk about it at the, at the live mastermind we had, what we found from a lot of people was people saying, I want more of this. I want more interaction. I want more advice. I want more people to bounce ideas off of. Um, so we started kind of, you know, feeling out different sort of coaching ideas. And our big idea was let's get a whole bunch of people together. Let's get some questions from them. Let's get some live questions from you guys today. And we will be able to kind of do a, just a big coaching session on what's going on with the real estate market. Yeah, you know, beforehand, we had, um, you know, we have, we've had a lot of people register in here. It looks like we have 50 or 60 questions from people. So uh, if you guys are one of the ones that also registered and also put forth some questions, thank you. We've tried to group some of those together. Because believe it or not, of all of those, at least a quarter of them are like the same questions. So that was pretty bizarre. So we're going to start with that uh, as we go through. There's also in the webinar setup of Zoom, there's a Q&A section where you guys can ask your questions. Um, if we think it's pertaining to like what's going on right now, you know, Stephanie or I or Matt will kind of interrupt and we'll try to get those peppered in. If the question comes in and it's totally unrelated to the topic right now, I, we're going to plan to get to anything that's a live uh, question that can, comes in there. So. So if you have something that comes to mind, throw it in the question, if we have something that we're talking about. So the I want to be able to introduce the other people that are here with me. So the um, I'm Aaron Muchastegui. Uh, if you've listened to our podcast a bunch, the I hosted you know nearly all of them uh, from you know end of 2019 until about May 2022. Since then, I've only hosted like three or four. Uh, I've been on a bit of a hiatus for all sorts of different reasons. Uh, we also have uh, Matt King here on the call. So 
Matt, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Matt King. Uh, I've had the pleasure of working with Aaron for the last, what, four years now. Um, he and David Osborne are business partners in a bunch of different ventures, a bunch of different real estate deals. And I help run David Osborne's family office out of Austin, Texas. We look at all deals, real estate backed, and then a lot of company acquisitions, mergers. We'll look at pretty much anything that you can generate a yield or make money on. Um, and then just uh, day to day, he owns and operates about 35 different companies that I help him manage. And so we have a pretty good pulse on what's going on in the world. Um, David owns the eighth largest residential real estate brokerage in the United States with about 5,000 agents across North Texas, New Mexico, and Memphis that last year did about 12 billion in volume. So when it comes to things real estate, we're pretty much uh, all in, um, whether it's single family residential transactions or a single family fund because we own a private equity firm or a distressed debt firm that we own that does um, commercial debt that's mostly under distress, collateralized by commercial real estate. Um, I've, I've been pretty fortunate to see a lot of really cool things and, and structure a lot of really unique deals and um, honored to be with you guys and just throw in my two cents, which is about all it's worth on where we're at in the market and answer any questions I can to help people navigate what's coming up. Yes. The, I always like Matt's, Matt's intros because he is, is super humble and I, I find it amazing that he can spend an hour with us because there are so many different businesses and so many different companies and deals that he's doing for us right now. And so, so many of the conversations that he gets to have out there are game changing. We've also got Stephanie Brackett with us today. Stephanie, uh, recent addition, right, over to the Osborne team. Stephanie, I'll let you tell the story. Yep, yep. I also work for David Osborne's family business. I came with a background in real estate. I was the COO for Anderson Hicks Group for 11 years. They're the largest uh, real estate team in eastern Idaho. We did about 715 transactions last year, so fairly large uh, amount of real estate experience. I've been in the real estate business since 2006, mainly focused on operations. I've always been in the, I, I've been a buyer's agent, so I have done that side of the, the deals, but mostly in operations. That's my forte. And I joined David Osborne's team to build systems for his 35 businesses <laughs> that uh, Matt's helping to run. So that's what, that's what my, that's what my jam is, is the systems. Awesome. And you know, the Evan, who is, he's all, he always gets a, a little apprehensive of if he's going to be on here or not, but I wanted you guys to get to see uh, Evan on the call. Evan has been the man behind the podcast for more years than me. So the, the guy that makes sure that a podcast gets published twice a week, that we get uh, people through the hopper, that we get good variations on stuff. So the Evan is the ultimate producer of the podcast and the behind the scenes, behind the scenes guy that you guys never see. And so as he was getting ready to like sneak back out and not be a part of this, um, you know, we left him on here. So he'd have to be seen. So Evan, you got to say hi and, uh, and tell somebody something you love about uh, real estate or the podcast or, or where you live. Ah, hey, guys. Um, I was not expecting to pop on, but I'm glad that you all made it. I'm really just here to make sure stuff runs smoothly. And luckily, luckily for you, this will be the only time you guys hear me speak today. But yeah, it's been really cool working with Pat and now Aaron and just seeing what's going on with real estate. And I'm really hoping that prices come down. I don't know how you agents feel about it, but as a consumer, I'm <laughs> I'm hopeful that I can get a new place in a new state. I'm in New Mexico right now, but looking at maybe Texas like Aaron. He sold me on it. You say on Austin, Texas, come to Austin, Texas, just, Evan. That's just, such a just, great... Just come on over with Elon Musk, which kind of leads us into the first question from Gerald, which is uh, what's going to disrupt real estate. So Aaron and Stephanie, I defer to you guys. You guys got so much experience in here. And I mean, I've got an opinion, but you know, Elon's disrupted so many different markets. Um, what do you think is going to disrupt real estate? Well, there's always going to be disruptors. As we, we have them constantly. We've been through a million disruptors in real estate already. And we, we saw it with the e-buyers. We saw it with a bunch of different things. And, and what's coming next? Who knows? I mean, the shift is definitely going to disrupt a little bit, but I don't know if I can name one technology that might disrupt it. Aaron, you might have an opinion on a technology that might just come in and blow it out of the water. Yeah, the... It's, it's, it's tough. So when you think about disruptions, what they talked about a few years ago was the, like the tech stuff that was really going to happen was self-driving cars was going to change the way that parking lot structures were, or the easier that it got to get to a place. You know, imagine being able to like get in your car and your 45 minute commute, you could literally like fall asleep in it. 
right? So there was a lot of talk about how self-driving cars would be that big game changer. But I think what we figure out with technology, and that would be a game changer, because if you could get in your car and fall asleep on your commute to work, an hour drive to the office or two hour drive to the office wouldn't be a big deal. And so prices in downtown Austin wouldn't be, you know, people wouldn't have to live in downtown Austin for work. They could live somewhere else. But the problem with technology disruptors is they take a long time, like a long, long time. The, the funny thing about real estate is the transaction has not changed all that much in 15, 20, 30, 40 years, the way that it's done. There's more information that co the consumer has today. But the transaction itself is pretty much the same. The people that win at this business are following the same mindsets uh, that they were that they were following back then, right? Of finding a need uh, that your customer has, you know, finding what what people you know what people want and what problem you're going to solve for them. So, um, you know, when it comes to like the technology or what do I think the future is, you know, as as prices as months of inventory went way down. And as soon as someone put a house on the market, they got like 20 offers on it. The value in a listing agent went way down. People thought, okay, that's going to get replaced by tech. That'll get replaced by flat rate listing services. And I've used all sorts. I've used agents. I use flat, flat rate listing services. But then as the market changes, right? And during that time, buyer's agents had to work their tail off to get stuff done, to get their offer accepted. Now it changes. Now, in just a couple of months, months of inventory has gone way up. And now the value of a listing agent is so much more significant than the value of a buyer's agent in some of that. We're going to dig in uh, to some of those. You know, most of the, a lot of the questions that came in ahead of time talked about the market shift. What do we do in this market shift? When I was talking to Stephanie and Matt and Evan yesterday, it was realizing, you know, there's some sort of high percentage of agents that have that have became an agent since 2012. And if you became an agent in the last 10 years, there's been no shift, there's been no adjustments, there's been slower periods or faster periods, but it's kind of been the same since 2012 and it kind of just you know, got faster and faster. Um, and then Evan is a great example of a buyer. We had a lot of people of like, so as I go through some of these market shift questions and then each of us are gonna spend some time talking about the market and how to succeed in this newer type market. Even Evan's intro, really helped set it off a bit because he said, hey, I'm a buyer and I'm looking forward to housing prices coming down a little bit because I want to be able to afford a house. And we've got all these things right now that are affecting buyers and sellers. So as we as we dig first into the market, I think what's really obvious for most of the people, I'm going to go into some stats when it's my turn, but I think what's really obvious for most of the people in most markets, not all markets, in most markets, months of inventory is going up which simply just means if there was 50 houses on the market in a neighborhood a few months ago, there's probably 150 on the market in a neighborhood now. And if a house, you know, a few months ago, usually got multiple offers on the first day, now maybe they only get one. Or if it was one that was going to sell in the week, now it's selling in 30 days, now it's selling in 60 days. We have a lot of houses on the market that are getting kind of no offers. A trend that I'm seeing right now um, is that sellers... Essentially, buyers want to be able to have a, a less expensive house and they can't afford as much because of interest rates going up. That's kind of obvious. A couple of tips I'm going to go into in a little bit are, are, are going to be centered toward that. But sellers aren't quite ready to, they're like, I've got this equity and I want to sell if I can sell it for this. But if I've got to sell it for $50,000 less, I don't want to sell because I'm not going to get a better rate. I'm, what was happening a year ago, if somebody sold a house, they were going to be able to upsize for the most part or do a horizontal movement. And right now, there's there's not really a reason for a seller to sell or come off of those for the most part. Maybe Matt and Stephanie are going to have some different data uh, with that. But we had you know questions about what is the outlook of the market, you know the um, what's going to happen uh, with the market now. How do we get started in a market like this? How do we represent buyers in a market like this? Um, how can I get a listing sold right now? How can I prepare as a new agent? Uh, how can we sell stuff during the recession? So. Matt, I'm going to have you jump to like, what is your market outlook right now for real estate? And what do you think people should be looking at? Yeah, I mean, look, my my my, 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 my market outlook is just gather as much data as possible. Like I do not have a crystal ball. I'm not smart enough to have a crystal ball. And so I don't really know what's actually going to happen. But what I do do is I look at all the data. I look at all the trends and I'm constantly talking to different people around the world, around the country specifically, but definitely around the world. 
and, and asking what they're seeing. I mean, what we're seeing right now is we're seeing house prices start to come down and we're seeing um, rent prices start to come down. So that tells me what we've seen is sort of like a plateau. Like we have seen what the consumers limit their ceiling is. And now we're starting to see, okay, we got to find back that equilibrium where deals get transacted, things get done. Now, um, you know, we're still seeing crazy rent growth across the country. We're still seeing crazy home price appreciation across the country. All I'm implying is I think we're starting to see that tail back down. Um, the other thing we're starting to see a lot of um, is, and we've heard a lot about, is the Fed is trying to taper inflation. And the only way they can really manage inflation is, is the main way is through interest rates. And we've seen them raise interest rates. And I think we're going to see them do that again. My belief is we have about another 200 basis points or 2% increase to interest rates over the next six months that we're going to see that I believe the market has already priced in that, that people are assuming is going to happen. What I think people take for granted is that um, the inflation has shown up most in the labor force. So people are getting paid more than they ever were. And those numbers aren't quite as um, fluid as real estate prices or as prices of milk. People aren't going to be very quick to say, you gave me a great raise two years ago. Now I'll take a great pay cut because I know the market's hard. Um, so I think the Fed is going to have a really hard time getting the labor inflation and the price of labor to get back in line. And the only way that I see them doing that is through raising interest rates a bunch more. So like I said, I think we see at least 200 basis points. My guess is we see closer to 300 basis points or 3% before we really start to see things come back down. I was talking to an agent today, days on market in Austin, Texas, about four months ago were like two or three days. Like somebody would list the house on Friday, multiple offers on Sunday, you know, closing best and final due Monday and, you know, closing in 15 days all cash, no contingency, waiving the appraisal, waiving the inspection and a free lease back for six months, like crazy stuff, right? Now the average days on market is 35. You're not seeing anybody going over lists. You're seeing everybody do inspections. You're seeing everybody do appraisals. And all of a sudden the lease back is gone. Nobody does that anymore. Um, so I think we've entered this time where, where it's, a, it's becoming a little bit more of a buyer's market. Um, now, if you have qualified buyers, it's a great time to be representing buyers. There's, you know, there's going to be opportunity. There's going to be optionality. Um, the key is making sure they're qualified, they're qualified well, and that you understand what that band is that they can buy or acquire within, and you keep them in that band even through an interest rate adjustment. So, you know, if somebody's right on the cusp of being able to qualify for a seven hundred thousand dollar home with today's interest rates, don't start showing them $800,000 homes. Rates aren't going to get better in the next six months, in my opinion. I would be showing them the $600,000 home. So I have a little bit of a cushion to absorb some of that interest rate increase in their qualifications and still be able to put in a competitive offer. Um, I think the last thing that I'll mention that, that we're just starting to see sort of a little bit in the markets, I think you're going to see a lot of these public companies start to miss their earnings reports. Cost of capital's increased, cost of labor's increased. I think you're just going to start to see people struggle to hit the earnings reports that they've put out for Q3 and Q4. And once that happens, I think we'll really start to see a shift in the markets. Um, until the stock market prices in uh, a correction, which they have not done at all yet, I think we're still going to sort of live in this hopeful, delusional state of like, well, maybe it's going to just be a little lull and then we're going to go up into the right forever. Um, once those markets, the, the, the public markets catch up, I think it's going to ripple through everything and, and real estate will be the first thing that it sees. Yeah. The, you know, you think to, I thought by now interest rates would be at 7% when we still, when they started pushing them up a few months ago and it feels like they started pushing and then the backlash was really, was really quick. And then they, and then the U S wasn't quite ready to buy enough of those securities <laughs> you had to stop buying so many of the securities back. And so it kind of went up and now it's tapered a little bit, yeah. but I imagine um, it, it's getting ready to increase again. I think that's great advice that as you start this hunt, it's like getting your buyers to lock in their price, but also be ready. Most of those new homes. So new homes would have been Right now, you can get a great deal on a new home that's already finished. Yes. Right? You can get a 10, 15, 20% off that it was before. And even though the builders act like they don't negotiate, they do absolutely negotiate. And builders are the most hurting when it comes to selling one of those homes. What happened in that market? I think, I think they're a big opportunity if they're already built for a discount. Because so many people locked up a home in March 
Now their home is get, and what happens with the way the building works is they get a prequal, but then they get requalified when the house is finished. Well, now that the house got finished six months later, rates are two points higher. The buyer can't afford that home anymore. And that builder has already booked that money. They were already planning on selling that. So as a, but the two thing years to add there, Aaron, just to interrupt you for a second. The thing to add there is most likely that builder, let's say they were under contract to sell that house to the consumer for 900. Seven months went past, the market has gone up crazy. So now that asset might be worth 1.2. So these builders are a little bit delusional and they're kind of excited for it to fall out because they're like, well, we know we might not get one, two. We're going to list for one, two. We're going to take some concessions. We'll sell for one, one when originally we were under contract for 900. So everybody feels a little greedy to me in this market. And so I think to your point, Aaron, there's a great opportunity to negotiate with builders because there's a lot of cushion that they've got in these deals now at least in my opinion, and they're going to want to clear things off their books quickly. Yeah. And it's a way and way different than a, a year and a half ago, I was saying, get with builders when you've got nine months left in construction, because by the time you close, it's going to be worth a lot more. And now it's the opposite. Don't do that because your buyer won't be qualified anymore nine months from now. Um, but if you can get a, a fast sale, let's jump over to, to Stephanie. So the Stephanie, and I, we've shared lots of stories about being in real estate back in 08, 09, in crashes, we've seen the worst it can possibly get in real estate. We've seen blood in the, blood in the streets, and we've also seen lots of good markets. What are your feelings, Stephanie, about about the market outlook and some you know actionable advice for agents to succeed in the market? Right. You know, it's funny because we we literally just went through a mini shift when COVID hit. Right. I mean, we literally had to shift our operations when COVID hit. We shifted how we market houses. We figured out how to do multiple offers and how to compete in multiple offer situations. And we started with all this language. You probably saw language on contracts. You're like, what the heck is this? Because people were getting super creative with offers. So if you can shift fast enough, you can be at the forefront of what's happening. So if you can shift your operations faster than anybody else, you will win in this market. And what I mean by that, like take an open house, for instance. An open house six months ago, the purpose of the open house was to generate massive amount of buyer leads. You could go hold an open house and you'd get 80 leads. The purpose was not to sell the house. We knew the house was going to sell anyway. It, that was a no-brainer. The, the house was gone. So that was not the purpose. Now, as this market has shifted, the purpose of an open house is to show the seller, look, I'm the person you want to list your property because I'm the only one who's going to get it sold. And now the things you do in that open house and the communication you have with the seller, you can be the number one agent. And the purpose of the open house now is not necessarily to get a list of buyers. The purpose of the open house is to prove to that seller and all the neighbors that you're the guy that's going to or gal that's going to be able to sell a house in a shifted market. And that's what we had to do back in the day. Like, I mean, it was communication, communication, communication. And we're doing six, seven, eight, nine, ten open houses for the same listing because sellers are convinced that an open house is going to sell their house. Now, we all know that an open house probably is not going to sell your house in a down market. However, what it proves to everybody else is that you're the best marketer out there and you're the best person that's going to get their house sold. So there's a lot of different operations that you can shift and systems that you can shift in the shifted market that'll just put you right at the top of the list of sellers. You just have to switch your way of thinking as fast as you did in COVID. Because during COVID, all of a sudden, we figured out how to work not in the office. We figured out how to show houses without ever meeting anybody and without ever stepping foot in the house. The buyer never stepping foot in the house. We learned really fast and we need to do that now. We can't wait on our laurels and expect the market today to be able to succeed in the market today doing the exact same things we did in March or April of this year. It just won't work. To, to, to your point, Stephanie, something that I, as a note I was retaking there is these are the moments in the markets where all stars are made, right? The people that did the first pivot after COVID into being able to do virtual showings. Oh, we've got Matt, Matt's baby joining us. The, yeah, I'm, on, I'm on dad duty now too. So the what's up? The, I, I don't have any kids joining me yet today, but as, but you, but as you guys listen to the podcast, you guys have heard my kids on there plenty of times as we've joined. This is the time when, when all stars are made, when we're talking about being able to pivot quick, 
when the market turned back in 05, 06, 07, those first agents that were able to like get the short sale listings did amazing. The first agents that got tied in to get the foreclosure listings and the REO listings with the bank by having themselves set aside by going and knocking and asking. And then even one of Pat's interviews talked about becoming an REO agent, but I know an REO agent out in Sacramento that the, you know, at the time in, in, in 07, he was kind of the first in the door. And then his volume by 09 was like 200 houses a month. And he didn't have volume in 06. He wasn't an agent in 06. And in 09, when most agents had gone out of business, he was doing a lot. So, and, you know, and the last crash is when I first like started my business and you got, and that was when buying foreclosures. But that time I was the third person in Northern California at Sacramento buying foreclosures, the hundreds of houses are selling. So this quick pivot during this time becomes, you know, pretty substantial um, in, in the list. So this is the time that all stars are made. If you can find that new niche, if you can find it to work, because a bunch of agents right now, you, a lot of you guys on the call, you're probably realizing that stuff is a little bit harder right now. Stuff is a little bit harder right now. And people, I had agents this week talking about, am I going to make my mortgage payment this month? You know, I've had mortgage brokers reaching out to me and saying, hey, I, I did 60000 a month in volume three months ago, and I've got one loan going on right now yeah. for 5000 next month. So the some people will give up. Some people won't. People are going to get distracted. It's going to be tough. So being able to find that. So I'm going to share some slides and then try to jump into some of my one, one thing real quick, Aaron. I think what Stephanie said is actually the answer to really the first question, which is what's going to cause the disruption in the market. I think the greatest disruption in real estate is going to be agents continuing to reinvent themselves through pivots, through shifts, through times like what we're about to experience. And I think the greatest disruptor we're about to experience in real estate is going to be whatever agents find that allows them to have deeper and stronger relationships and connections with consumers that they can help buy and sell homes. And I think Stephanie was so wise in what she said about like the open houses and that's just that example of pivoting. I think, you know, that that was Gerald's first question. I think that's the biggest disruptor is what agents are going to do in the market. It's not a technology yet. It's not some sort of fancy magic wand service. It's agents reinventing themselves and putting themselves back in a place of relationship with the consumers and having deep and meaningful relationships with them. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. And I, and I think as you, as you run through like your list of systems that you have, some of them may need slight tweaking. Some of them may need a complete overhaul, but what you need to remember in all of them, like Matt said, is the communication has to be 10 times. It's got to be 10 times. Your sellers are going to want to hear from you. The only thing on their mind is selling their house. That's it. Those sellers, that's the only thing they're thinking about. I got to get my house sold. I got to get my house sold. You're thinking about 87 other things, but that's, that's the only thing. They're going to hang on to every single showing. This is the one that person's going to buy my house. I want feedback. We didn't have a feed. No one had a feedback system for the past two years. If, if you didn't get an offer on the house, they obviously didn't like your house. And so you have to literally go through every single system you have line by line and 10x your communication with the client because that's what's going to get you winning in this market. Exactly. Yeah. It's well, you know, the note that I wrote down was like, how do you win as a listing agent right now? That's some, some of the questions. How do you win as a listing agent when the average days on market will be 90 days? And what people don't realize is like in, tw you know, in 2012, 2013, it was not abnormal to list a, a house for sale. And 90 days later, you get a full price offer 90 days later. It doesn't mean it's not always price driven with things. It's just about there's less buyers out there and less sellers. So what do you do as a listing agent when, when somebody's like, hey, do you have any offers? Hey, do you have any offers? And you're 10 weeks in, you're 11 weeks in, and you're trying to tell the, the, the owner why you're the best person still. So the way that you keep your, your listings happy, your sellers happy, um, what you really do is keep them happy. That needs to be the goal, right? And then figuring out what do they need? What do they want? You know, you get to tell, hey, I'm the pro and here's what I'm doing. And here's why I'm doing it and getting to share through the process and share the stats. Hey, we haven't sold yet, but nothing in your neighborhood has sold yet. And this one actually got an offer, but it was $30,000 less than yours. So if we lower, we can wait, but that still took 30 days. So maybe we lower in that, or maybe we do this lot of interaction, lots of statistics. The statistics tell the story and the market gets to be the bad guy and, and the agent gets to be the one helping them. 
you know, and it's the same thing with you're showing them as a listing agent, hey, I'm doing everything I can. I'm going to do everything I can. And this is going to take three months because the only way that listing cancels is if two months in the seller says, you know what, this isn't going to work. They start saying, is this the right agent for me? So you need to get them not asking the question, is this the right agent for me? And, and being okay with the question of like, you know, how long will this market take? But it's got to be about the market and not you. And if you're not doing the things they want, if you're not doing the open houses, if you're not providing the statistics, if you don't have balloons on the sign, if you're not doing the things that people perceive, then they're going to want to blame the agent. When market's cool, they will blame the agent. You know, six months ago, when it was hard to get an offer accepted, people blamed their buyer's agent and they were switching agents. That perspective changes a little bit. So listing, so sellers are going to be asking themselves, is this the right agent or should I give up or should I just keep the house? You know, and buyers are asking, can I buy a house I like that I can afford? Um, so some of the, some of the, like the quick prediction articles that are out there when we're, we're telling people like markets change everywhere. So what Matt first said is, hey, the only way they're going to be able to combat inflation is interest rate increases. And, and Jerome Powell says, you just need to keep preparing. We're in for some pain. We're going to keep raising those interest rates up. Something else that's been happening out there, I know a few people in particular right now trying to sell their Airbnbs. It says these 10 cities are pummeling Airbnbs with regulations and restrictions, trying to combat issues from noise to housing affordability. So there's some places in Southern California, uh, Joshua, Tree, Tree, Joshua Tree, where they just stopped allowing more Airbnbs. Or there's some rule that they just severely limited it. And so the big investment there was buying a house and having it as an Airbnb. And now you can't. What does that do to a market? That's very local, right? So as an agent, what you can be doing for buyers or sellers is trying to have that information so you can tell them, why is the market so much different? Why aren't the houses selling in Joshua Tree like they were before? Well, because 50% of the buyers were investors with Airbnbs. And now that's changing. That's just local news. Steamboat Springs, Colorado, uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. Red Hook, New York. So be reading these articles, find these articles. Here's, what, here's an interesting interest rate thing. So we saw it spiking. second quarter 2022, it hits 5.2%. And that's when I make my prediction says it's going to be 7% by the summertime, right? And then this was somebody's prediction saying, hey, we're expecting it to ease and be down into those fours by next year. So there's always two sides to every story. This is not the prediction I believe in, right? This, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be there but for some people realizing that the best it's going to get, so this prediction that's like a glass half full is saying the best it's going to get in the next 18 months is 4.4% interest rates again. It'll never be this. And so getting to help buyers with that, like, hey, today it's 5.2. If this is to go down a little bit, they might. But if you're waiting for rates to go down, the we're going to be waiting a few months and it may only affect your payment by 100 bucks or not. One of your best weapons as a buyer's agent during this time is the mortgage calculator. And you're going to want to run mortgage calculators like crazy. Of Here's the house and here's the rate if we get it today at this. And if you pay 5,000 more or less, you know, here's the rate. A big thing to set yourself apart as a buyer's agent right now, when people are asking those questions of how can I get my offer accepted or, hey, my buyer wants to give up. We've seen really commonly lately is people having sellers buy down mortgage rates. So as a buyer's agent, you need to have a secret weapon that no one else has. You're reaching out to this buyer, your buyer prospect. They say, hey, I'm not, I, I don't want to buy a house anymore. I can't afford what I had. I can only afford a $300,000 house now. And when I look at it, it's just not the house I wanted. Like I really loved this house that was $350. Now I can only afford $300. But if you get a good lender that you can talk to and say, hey, what if the seller gives us you know, $6,000 back? What can we buy their rate down to? And now you can show them, hey, the seller can pay this rate buy down. Sometimes you can even up the price by $10,000 and the seller gives back a credit uh, for that because things are appraising right now, even though the, which is funny, we'll be in this trend where things will appraise even though the buyers and the lenders don't want to afford it. So it's a great time to offer more, get a big credit from a seller that buys down that rate because then you can tell the, the buyer, hey, you didn't miss out on anything. Prices are a little bit lower than they were six months ago. There's way less people to compete against, so we don't have to offer over asking anymore. And um, you know, and we can buy your rate down, so you're only paying slightly more. The average U.S. home is now selling below its list price. That's a big thing that has it hasn't been like that since like since 2015, 2014, 2015. First time in 2014, 2015, the average house sells for less than list price. Be armed with that data 
look at your local MLS to see how it changes in each spot. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time, and when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. There's a lot of superstars out there that use Follow Up Boss. What's your favorite CRM? We're using Follow Up Boss. We use Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. I love Follow Up Boss. I love it. We have action plans now for bringing on new agents. We have action plans for our recruiting. Uh, we call them action plans and follow-up boss, which will trigger tasks for the agents to do as far as calling. Follow-up boss, I like more for the integrations with everything, MailChimp, call action, all those different products. I will say we used Sync and we switched from Sync to follow-up boss. Honestly, the greatest CRM I've ever used, I've used Brivity, Sync. I've looked at Boomtown, like Real Geeks, just a bunch of different ones. But me personally, I fell in love with Fub about like seven months ago when I first started using it. I've used Boomtown. I've used LineDesk. I've used Conversion. And I think Follow-Up Boss gives you the most integrations mm-hmm. that are simple. And it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform. Yet at the same time, it's still affordable. I do like follow-up boss better just because it you can text from the app and things like that. It's just a little more convenient for me. Um, it tracks everything that I need. I can customize it if I want. If I want to go smart list based, that's fine. If I want to go task based, it's fine. I think it's one of the best systems and it's very user friendly. It just really helps me never drop a ball because it's so user friendly. I don't have a one horse in the race of follow-up boss. Purely objective. Follow-up Boss has been the best one that we've found. Now, I've used Follow-up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. Thanks again. Now back to our show. It's funny to look at like rent rent versus buy areas as you get to figure out what's going to change. Realtor.com has great statistics that you can look for your different areas and try to find your niche. Right. If it's cheaper to rent than it is to buy, what sort of pivot does that mean you should be doing this time? If it's still cheaper to buy than it is to rent, then that is what you're telling people. Right. It's more expensive. You know, the, uh, we've got Evan out in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where it's cheaper to buy than it is to rent. Right. So even at today's crazy rates and today's crazy prices, so different markets, you're going to find what your niche is. That's not going to be your pitch down in Austin, Texas or Leno but it will be your pitch in certain markets, depending on where you are. Checking out where the hottest real estate markets are. It's pretty crazy to think there's still some places that have under a month of inventory, right? And so getting to look around. So some of you guys on this call are probably saying, hey, we're still selling well and like crazy. So know your market. What are the months of inventory uh, as you're going through the, here's some statistics. So the Fred is great at statistics. If you're gonna have access, uh, it's the, um, the St. Louis Fed. If you don't have access to your local market, we've got active listing count in Austin, Texas, just jumped to 8,700, which is essentially the most of all time, right? The, you know, the, which is pretty crazy, especially if you look back to just April, it was at 2000. So we've got four, four times the listings, great for buyers, bad for listing agents. If you're a listing agent though, you're telling your buyer, look, there's a lot more stuff on the market. So you need me to work harder than everybody else. And I will work harder than everybody else. And here's why, but set the right expectation. But it's going to take us three months. Even if we do everything, it's likely it's going to take us three months to sell this house. Um, some places are a little bit better. So like in Tampa, Florida, the it's coming back up. Months of inventory is going back up still less than it was in 2019. So now you get to use that stat as a, as a buyer's agent there. You're telling them, hey, there's still, it's still a better market. It's still a buyer's market. Austin is a buyer's market now. Tampa is a moderate. It's in between a, a seller and a buyer. It's kind of just, just hanging out in there. Phoenix was another big one. That the Another chart that I saw that came directly from their MLS actually spiked it. They said this was the, the largest one-month spike uh, of all time um, when it came from the MLS data. The, the, Fred, the Fed data is slightly different 
but you're looking at the most houses that were ever on the market in Phoenix or back in 2016 at one time. And we're about to hit that. Great charts from realtor.com. Foreclosures, we track foreclosures like crazy. We track foreclosures more than anybody else, especially in Texas. Um, and that's where I started some of my business. You can look at this stat a couple of different ways. You can say right now, the foreclosure postings in Dallas this month, there was 280, 285. And in like, you know, December 2020, there was 95. So you could say there's three times as many postings as there was 18 months ago, or there's three times as many postings as there was 12 months ago. But in the, in the you know, bef- not even in a crisis, just a normal market in 2018, 2019, then it was normal to have about, you know, four or 500 a month. So we're not even close to a normal market for some of these places. Some counties we are. And so looking at your data as a very personal level, talking, showing it to your buyers, showing it to your, because again, you, all you have to do is convince your buyer's agent and your, your buyers and your sellers that you are the right person for the job. The last trend I wanted to show was pretty crazy looking at, when we look way back to when the market crashed, this was my experience in Northern California. We had 15 months of inventory. So right now they've got three months of inventory in Northern California in that same spot. So we're not quite there yet, but when it, I wish the graph could go back a little bit further to show what that spike is. But for since 2020, it, it's it's a fast spike. And really since 2012, it's the quickest spike they've ever seen. So where most agents have come around in the last 10 years, uh, most of these markets are seeing the fastest inventory spike that we've seen in the, in the, in the last 10 years. So again, using that data to kind of arm yourself. Matt or Stephanie, any like things that I talked about that that prompted some extra ideas or even just actionable steps or other charts and data that agents should be looking at their local level to help get more buyers or get more sellers? I think just the fact that they know their local data, that is so important. When I, you know, back in the day, back in 2006, 2007, when I joined and then the team I was on in 2011 data tracking team. That's all they did was track data, track data, track data. And I can't tell you how many people the the public opinion of what's going on in the market shifts way slower than what's actually happening in the market. So that's why sellers right now are still saying, well, what do you mean I'm only going to get one offer? What like what are you talking about? My neighbor sold this house like 20 offers, $20,000. Yeah, that was 6 months ago. They're like hanging on to what was in the past and it was the same in you know, Aaron, you probably remember 15, 16, 17, where buyers are coming in and offering like 50,000 less than list price. We're like, it's not 2012 anymore. Like you can't get a house at that. You're not going to get that deal anymore. And so to know the statistics and be able to educate people on the market statistics is absolutely crucial. You have to know it because you're going to come in as the authority and say, look, this is what the reality of the market shift is right now. This is the real thing based on data, not based on how I feel or what your neighbor told you or what your parents said, but actual real data. So it's imperative that you have it and you track it. If you don't have it and you haven't tracked it, get it from somewhere. You can pull all the data out of your MLS, dump it into an Excel spreadsheet and start creating numbers off of it and graphs. You have to have the data in order to be an authority in the market. Matt, anything to add? No, I think you, I think you guys touched on pretty much everything. Um, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of really good questions we could dive in and, and people can feel free to, to jump in and ask other questions based off of what we said. But um, I think you guys touched on most of the data really well. Yeah. I mean, you know, there are a couple of questions that came up in the chart where, very specifically, somebody said, where do we spend our marketing dollars right now? You know, how do we get more deals? How do we get more buyers? You know, essentially, how do we get listings? How do we get listings agents? How do we get more buyers? There are some questions too about like Open Door or Zillow Flex or our Op City. So there's, there's a few ways you can buy leads. And people are like, so this is my broken finger with a purple cast on it, if, the, if that stands out. There's a couple of ways people can buy leads for listings. You can buy a lead that's like a warm lead from like a Zillow or a realtor that like this person has called in and they said they want to buy or they want to sell. And you usually pay a per lead, but if you get that deal done, you get all the commission. So let's say you pay $100 a lead or $20 a lead or $500 a lead, you get that. And then there's also these other listing sources. Uh, so OpCity, which was bought by realtor.com or different versions of, of Zillow Flex, where you actually don't pay for the lead, but you pay a bigger portion of your commission for that lead. So when times are tight, 
I think you should have a combination of free leads that can generate some income, but you give away more, plus some that you market to. Um, there was one interview I did. It's way back, uh, episode 949 with Kirby Schofield. He talked about like six or seven different places to buy leads and, and different versions. I recommend that you guys go back and listen to that one and think about some of the strategy because it's the same, it's the same stuff that's out there right now. But there are some leads you don't have to pay for, but if you succeed on them, you give up a share. You give up half your commission or a third of your commission. But hey, you didn't pay for it. And you just, you just, and they got the lead really, really warm. Something else that we've seen just a huge success rate on in just the last month that we weren't having much success on uh, six months ago was just the direct text to seller saying, have you, I have, I have, you know, have you thought about selling your house? Now, six months ago, most of those, our response rate was like one in a thousand of people that would reply back. It was really low because most people out there, a lot of people were texting them. They were putting them on the market. They were doing for sale by owners. You know, we are getting huge responses right now. We sent, you know, sent 400 text messages out today and we had 30 people reply back saying they'd like an offer on their house. Right. So as an investor, it's like, hey, we can make you this offer or we can list it for you as an agent. We own some technology where, where we do that and, and, and we help people do that. But finding the leads of just people that have equity and they've lived in their house for a while and starting that outreach again, that's just good old fashioned. Like you're picking up the phone and you're dialing. Another interview that I did just a couple of weeks ago that I thought was really, really profound was episode 1075 with Logan Walter. And he, and he goes, he's been an agent since January. He just became an agent, has done a ton of deals. And we go through each of his scripts on how to call somebody with an expired listing. There's a bunch of expired listings out there right now. So the, uh, we had, we had like, I had eight get sent to me today of expired listings. If people are like, Hey, these expired, do you want to make an offer on them? And I was telling the agent, no, but you should call and follow Logan's script and start with the question that just says, Hey, what happened with that right now? So those two episodes, I think go deep into two of those questions on where we should spend our marketing dollars. Um, and, and, and what we should do. Another kind of idea and concept out there was they talked about spending the marketing dollars on meeting people and coffee with people instead of other outreach. Because again, right now, you need, they need to trust that you are the right person uh, to stick with this because it's not a quick transaction anymore. It was, you get a client and 30 days later, you're getting paid and 60 days later, you're getting paid. And now it's, you're going to get a client and for the next four months, you guys are going to be holding hands and you're going to have to keep them convinced you're the right person. Um, Stephanie and Matt, any technology ads or, or different uh, lead sources out there? I would say your best source for leads is your database, your past clients. And that's where I'd spend all my money. If I ran a team right now, I would be doing client events. I would be loving on my clients. I'd be pouring all my money into the people. And hopefully you've been doing that all along because of course, real estate is a relationship business as much as it is a transactional business. And if you had a relationship business in the first place, those people are going to keep sending anybody that's looking to buy or sell to you. And so you need to make sure you maintain those relationships, client events, client appreciations, pop buys, like make sure they know you're the one. If anybody needs real estate help, you're the one. And that's where I would spend my marketing dollars. I wouldn't go buy cold leads. I, this is, they're going to be the easiest clients you work with because they already are coming to you with someone else's recommendation. First of all, you know, Hey, use Matt King. He's the best I know. And they're like, Oh, okay. Well, I'll use Matt. Cause I trust this guy that gave me his name. I dump all my money into, into past clients in my database. Yeah, I do something very similar to Stephanie. I'd be pouring all my money into past clients and a sphere around those past clients to educate them about why now is a good time to buy or sell and educate them about what's going on in the market. If you can position yourself as a thought leader in the marketplace and the go-to expert in your area, leads will funnel to you from all of those people you're educating. Um, and so I would be pouring my money into into similar, similar to Stephanie, like client type events, educational type events to show people how, you know, how does the interest rate impact your mortgage payment? How does um, the student loan forgiveness benefit your ability to qualify for a loan? Whatever thing you can do and whatever information you can extract from what's going on in current events to educate people with, I think right now is a good thing to be focused on just to help clients understand that you're the expert and you're in the know. Yeah. You know, the people talked about, you know, how do you know, I guess, how, how do you know you're, you're, you're targeting the right market? Like, how do you farm properly? How do you make sure people want to sell? 
as you're going through that or newer agents that are like, hey, I don't have people to market out to. I don't have past clients. But if you don't have past clients, you have people that you know and you have people that already know and like you. And so remembering to reach out to them essentially with, with the simple script that says, hey, you know, how are you? You know, the you check in. How are you? Well, I'm a real estate agent. Man, it is a crazy time to be a real estate agent. It is the, the market has changed so much. I'm learning all these things. And I'm just trying to reach out to people today and to my friends to just say like, hey, have you had any friends lately talking about the stress of real estate that I might be able to answer some questions for them about the market? Um, that's the big pitch right now. One of the questions said, hey, from Lawrence is I'm a you know, newbie, been around for six months, you know, so I, I'm going to be working on getting, she said she's going to be working on getting some paid leads, but should she also be doing door knocking? I'm a, I'm a big fan of door knocking. There's two ways that, there's a couple ways that you can door knock. You can choose a neighborhood and you can go door knock and you can either have a door hanger or a business card or a bunch of yellow sticky notes and make sure that if no one answers the door, you're handing them something. And if you're not good at door knocking, having something to hand them makes it a little bit easier, especially like a, like a door hanger makes it a lot easier if you're like, if you're there knocking, you know, with something like that. But I think the pitch changes a little bit. I think the pitch changes a little bit to like, Hey, um, do you own this house or not? And whether they do or they don't, you go, great, I'm a, I'm a new real estate agent. I'm trying to figure out how many people in this neighborhood have lived here a long time. You know, if any of them are interested in selling, there's been some just crazy market statistics lately that most neighborhoods right now, there's like six months of inventory, but there's nothing for sale in this neighborhood. And I'm trying to find sellers that might want to sell because I think I can get them top dollar. Right. So that is that's farming, that's door knocking, but trying to be strategic, finding neighbor. You know, if you go to a neighborhood where there's 10 for sale signs out, door knocking in that neighborhood, I don't think is going to be very successful for you. Not as successful for you as when those expireds come up, but trying to figure out those other ones. There's also like our tech, the technology with, with Propoc that we have. And there's a bunch of other software companies that are out there where we, you can choose zip codes and try to find ones that are, you know, non-owner occupied or recent evictions or distressed owners. Um, I like door knocking ones where the lawns are like six feet tall because they've stopped caring about the house. Something is going on long before they go into foreclosure, they stop mowing their lawn, right? There's th that happens first. And so, you know, being able to get out there. So I think it's, I think it's a shotgun effect, but I think Lauren, no matter what you're doing, you want to try to be a little bit more strategic on it. If you're door knocking, you can door knock the whole neighborhood. If you if you like really have some time, you'll go through and maybe you'll take out the people that bought in the last six months because they're going to be less likely to buy or sell. But as soon as you start talking to somebody, you don't care if they have a friend that wants to buy a house later or a friend that wants to sell a house. You want you want to show up with some information. Man, this has been really the real estate market's been crazy. I'm a newer agent and I'm just trying to talk to people about what's been going on because this is what I'm learning. And a lot of people are having questions and, and I'm realizing I have a lot of answers for them. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, Aaron, one of the things, if I were a new agent and I was 15 hours from home, as Lauren suggested, she was. So I'm kind of like a greedy individual and I don't like doing work without getting paid for it. So one of the things I do is I would try to drive Uber and I would drive Uber. So I was getting paid to talk to potential clients and work on my scripts and start to make connections and establish relationships with people. Hey, where are you going? Why are you here? What do you do? How's it going? Learn from them, learn the area, become an expert in the people in that area, and then tell them I'm in real estate. I can help you. Oh, this neighborhood. Did you know that house sold for $330,000? Oh, cool. That's your house. What did you buy it for? You bought it for 150. Cool. Your neighbor just sold for 330. Did you know that? And all of a sudden now you're having a conversation in an environment where you're already getting paid something. So you're generating money, which helps you stay in real estate longer because you're not waiting for that commission. And you're using you know, it as an opportunity to practice your scripts, get in front of people that you can help buy or sell homes. Um, and, you're, and you're getting to know an area and you're becoming an expert in the area and understanding what all the different neighborhoods are. What's the demographics? Who lives there? Are there kids outside? Are there not? What's the schools like, et cetera? And you're doing it all while getting paid. Yeah. You know, guys, I think we probably have time for another one or two questions. So the, if you've been waiting to type one in, now's the time to put one in. We've got a, we've got a couple others in the chat that came in or in the spreadsheet, but the, but I've got to jam out of here at six o'clock because Maddie is finishing her last treatment of the day and I got to go pick her up 
over there. It is, I was telling the guys yesterday, it is so funny that the, the, the first time she had a treatment at five central was the time that we were doing this call, but this has been a lot of fun. You know, the a couple of the questions that came in was people were asking about the coaching programs that we advertised on the podcast, right? And what we'd really like to be able to do is do a lot more of this, you know, and people have said like, what is the coaching going to look like? You know, I joined my first mastermind in 20, I guess, 2016, you know, got into business with David a year later, 2017. But when I joined my first mastermind in 2016, the first time I got to talk to other smart people and get questions answered and have people hold me accountable took me from uh, being alone to like never having to feel alone again. And the way that my life just took off in so many ways, I, I give all the credit to those sorts of things, to masterminds, with, to live masterminds, to interactive stuff, to coaching, to people that help you skip a few steps, to, to saying like, hey, if I'm going to go spend a bunch of money on SEO, what ad should I use? Like talking to somebody that's done that is, is where we got to go first. So with, with the coaching options, there's two coaching options. There's going to be one-on-one -on -one coaching or there's going to be group coaching. Now, all, both programs are 40 calls a year, right? And as you get matched up with your coach, you'll be figuring out like when the times are going to work. You know, with the group coaching, I think we'll probably have somewhere between 10 and 20 people per group. You know, so the difference of a, of a, of a group coaching call right, is we had 60 questions come in. We got to answer 20 of them. If you're in a group of 10 or 20 people and you show up to your call armed with your questions of what happened this week, this is what happened with me and a buyer this week. This is what he said, didn't come back. Or this is, or this is a question I have for the week. When the group coaching, you're going to make sure your question gets answered and you're going to get answers from other agents around the US. And that's where the beauty of like the mastermind group coaching happens, where somebody gets to say, I had that same problem last week and here was my solution. And we go, wow, that's the right answer. Um, and then someone asked about like, what's the accountability like? I picture that with the group coaching, you know, after the first few sessions, we'll be able to kind of have people almost like work together in some of the accountability, right? People coming together, maybe it's choosing a partner. There's a real common way to do that. It could be leaving the group coaching with a goal. The next call you're coming on, we're holding you accountable for that. One-on-one -on -one coaching is like it would sound one-on-one, -on -one, so it's a lot more dialed in. So in group coaching, if somebody says, I'm thinking about getting into SEO, uh, you know, search engine optimization for Google ads, I would like it to, you know, what should I do? In the group coaching, our answer would probably be, here's a few resources to go to. And here's a podcast that talked about it. And here's somebody that did it. And then somebody else in the group will say, oh, I use this company and here's that. So you're going to get some answers on how to go do it yourself. Now, the one-on-one -on -one coaching, if you come in for your hour and you're like, hey, I want to do SEO ads, I imagine that that one hour would be spent us figuring out like by the end of the call, you're do you, you place your first SEO ad, right? We'll make a couple calls or figure out what the right system is. Um, so it's, it's a lot more getting into action, having somebody tailor for your business. The one-on-one -on -one calls could be like, hey, I'm thinking about hiring this assistant. Should I do it or not? And one of the one of the questions said, should this be for Canadians also? Absolutely. You know, we had uh, we had several Canadians fly into the US for our mastermind, our live mastermind in May. The I'm sure that we're going to do a discount for the mastermind for anyone that has signed up for coaching a little bit later. But even some of our guest hosts lately, Courtney's a guy up up, up in Canada. So yes, for people in the US, for people in Canada. You know, I I haven't done a, a real estate transaction in 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 Central America, but Matt's doing a couple right now down there. So the I think we have a lot of resources for those concepts. So um, for anybody that's on the call, so the only time we're doing a sales pitch because really it's just the the practical side of this. We've talked about for the forty calls a year, it's twelve hundred a month for one on one coaching, it's three seventy five a month for group coaching. But for anybody on the call, we're gonna do a we're gonna do a discount for like the first twenty signups. We don't even have a sign up sheet for it yet or a link. We'll email that stuff out to anybody on the call and send them a text. Stephanie, what did what did we come up with for our discount for like our first twenty signups? Yeah, and and Evan did put the link in the in the chat. There is a a link to get in there, and so the the discount will be if you sign up for group coaching, the first twenty you get your first month free. If you sign up for one-on-one -on -one coaching, you get half off your first month. Cool. So you save 375 bucks or $600, depending on which way you go. 
Yeah. yeah and I, I would tell everybody to think about it as a personal trainer or a you know nutritionist. If you want to get healthy and you want to lose weight, you can do some of it by yourself, but there's only so far you can go as an individual. I think as we enter a shifting market, one of the things I'm actively doing is I'm looking for coaches for me, for myself to help me navigate times that I've never navigated before in my business career. I mean, in the last crash, I was a senior in high school. So how am I supposed to really know what happened when my parents shielded me from everything? And I was, you know, slinging couches in the back of a furniture store working for a summer job. Um, So I think coaches and mentors are people that I would be actively searching for, whether it's this group or other groups, it doesn't matter to help you navigate what's coming up, to learn from people who have seen it before, have been there before, uh, maybe have a different experience from before. Um, and, and mostly so you don't feel alone as you're navigating whatever shows up and that you have somebody to collaborate with and, and bounce ideas off of and, and hopefully grow with together uh, quicker than you can by yourself. I agree 100%. And I mean, I, I can speak from um, experience. I hired a nutritionist myself. Like I couldn't lose weight. I could not do it. And I hired a nutritionist and she helped me lose 130 pounds. And I couldn't have done that without her. And it was one-on-one coaching every week. This is what you need to work on. Go do this, holding me accountable for doing that. And that's the same thing that that we would be doing here. Like, let's get your plan together. This is what you want to do. Great. Now let, let me help you go show, like show you the way on how to do this. You go do it and you come back and report and say, look, I got this done. Great. Let's move on to the next goal. Yeah. That's a that's a such a great example, right? Of the difference of doing something alone or doing it in a group. Life is a team game. Right. Life is a team sport. And when you have somebody else helping you get there, you get there faster. All right. So people are asking, is the chat disabled question? We can see the questions. Nobody else can see them. All right. So Evan just said he's got the link live. So the same link that you guys signed up at hybendigital.com forward slash coaching is the form to go sign up. So hybendigital.com forward slash coaching. We will also email it. We will also text it. Um, we're, we're hoping you guys got some value out of this. I'm going to ask, answer one more quick question in our last 30 seconds because I think that it's, it's it's some of the examples of stuff that happens in coaching. You know, John's saying, hey, there's thousands of listings on the market now. How does ours stand out? Right. And that's similar to like the buyer question of how do you stand out as a buyer? And you have to be the one that can explain to them, hey, even though you're approved for a 4.75, I'm going to get you a four and a quarter loan and here's how. And your payment's actually only going to be 180 bucks more than it was four months ago for this. Um, with listings, it's similar. I think listings, what the builders are advertising right now, and they are the best at it because they know how to sell a house in a market that's a buyer's market. And they're doing a lot of outbound emails highlighting the money because that's what stands out. They're saying, hey, we're doing buyer agent commissions of three, four, and 5% on houses. They're saying seller has a preferred lender that seller's even willing to buy down the rate to a 3.75 to a four and a quarter. The, anybody can do that as a listing agent. Now I can help you with some of those steps. There's other people that can help you with some of those steps, but the, now you're blasting those emails out to people in your network. And I tell you what, when buyer's agents are making less money and getting less deals, and they're only doing a deal a month instead of a deal every four months, they would much rather do one with a higher commission uh, on it or different buyer bonuses and things like that. So money talks to at least get eyes on your house. You will get more eyes on your house if you do stuff like that. If the house sucks, there's nothing you can do. But right now you're trying to get more eyes on your house. And those give it, we do it with like first month free for rent, right? Every lease we do, they get the first month free. They sign a 13 month lease though. They pay their first month, their last, you know, and they, and they get one out of there. There's lots of ways you need more eyes on your stuff. It's six o'clock, everybody. So the, I got to jump off. Stephanie, Matt, any final thoughts? Yeah, thank you all for taking time out of your day to be with us. If any of us can be of service to you in, in you know, the near future or the long-term future, feel free to reach out. Hopefully, this is the first of many webinars that we'll be doing as a, a team here at Real Estate Rockstars. Um, and best of luck to you all as you navigate what could be some uncertain territories. I believe that relationships will win. So hit the pavement hard and, and just be, be a candid, true, honest individual and deliver value to people and you'll win. All right. Mic drop. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegi jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully, you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also, we need your help. 
They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients, and we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there, too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.